Did God create life on other planets? Otherwise, why is the universe so big? By Gary Bates, originally published March 2007. Many people, Christian or otherwise, struggle with the notion that the Earth is the only inhabited planet in this enormous universe. In short, is there life on other planets? Those who believe life evolved on the Earth usually see it as virtual fact that life has evolved on countless other planets. Discovering life on other planets would in turn be seen as confirming their evolutionary belief. But even many Christians think God must have created life elsewhere. Otherwise, this enormous universe would be an awful waste of space. In my experience, this seems to be the major underlying reason why people think that there must be other life out there. Otherwise, our thinking should be based on what God said he did, the Bible, and not what we think he would, should, or might have done. Firstly, since God is the one who made the universe, it can scarcely be big to him. Humans struggle with its vastness because our comprehension is limited to the created time-space dimensions within which we exist, and it's mind-bending to try and comprehend anything beyond our dimensional existence. Size is only relative to us as inhabitants of this universe. And size and time are related somewhat. Because the universe is big to us, we consider how long it would take us to travel across it, for example. But time began with the creation of the physical universe, so how can we comprehend what eternity is, or might be? What was before the universe? Similar, how do we imagine how big God is? We cannot use a tape measure that is made of the very atoms he made to measure him. One example of this might be if you were asked to build a small house, and you did. Now, you are asked to build a large house. In our dimensions, for you to build the larger house, it would require more effort and take more time. So it is harder, or does it take longer for God to build a big universe compared to a smaller one, according to our perspective on what constitutes large or small, of course? Well, of course not, because he isn't bound by time and space which he created. Isaiah 40.28 says, The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not grow weak nor weary. We are impressed that God made billions of galaxies with billions of stars in them, and suitably so, because that is one of the reasons for making them. But as mentioned, size is not an issue for God. Stars are relatively simple structures, as they are just great big balls of gas. It would take more creative input, in that sense, for Jesus' miracle of feeding the 5,000 than for the creation of countless quasars. There is immense genetic complexity in the structure of even a dead fish. It is often asked, just because the Bible teaches about God creating intelligent life only on earth, why couldn't he have done it so elsewhere? After all, scripture does not discuss everything. For example, motor cars. However, the biblical objection to extraterrestrials is not merely an argument from silence. Motor cars, for example, are not a salvation issue. 
but we believe that sentient, intelligent, moral decision-capable beings is, because it would undermine the authority of Scripture. In short, understanding the big picture of the Bible and the gospel message allows us to conclude clearly that the reason the Bible doesn't mention extraterrestrials, also called ETs, is that there aren't any. Surely, if the Earth were to be favored with a visitation by real extraterrestrials from a galaxy far, far away, then one would reasonably expect that the Bible, and God in his sovereignty and foreknowledge, to mention such a momentous occasion, because it would clearly redefine man's place in the universe. The Bible indicates that the whole creation groans and travails under the weight of sin. Romans 8, 18-22 The effect of the curse following Adam's fall was universal. Otherwise, what would be the point of God destroying the whole creation to make way for the new heavens and earth? 2 Peter 3.13 Revelation 21.1 Therefore, any extraterrestrials living elsewhere would have been unjustly affected by the Adamic curse, through no fault of their own, meaning they would not have inherited Adam's sin nature. When Christ, God, appeared in the flesh, he came to earth not only to redeem mankind, but eventually the whole creation back to himself. Romans 8.21, Colossians 1.20 However, Christ's atoning death at Calvary cannot save these hypothetical ETs, because one needs to be a physical descendant of Adam for Christ to be our kinsman redeemer. Isaiah 59.20 Jesus was called the last Adam because there was a real first man, Adam, 1 Corinthians 15, 22 and 45, not a first Vulcan or Klingon or some other alien person. This is so a sinless human substitute takes on the punishment all humans deserve for sin, Isaiah 53, 6 and 10, Matthew 20, 28, 1 John 2, 2 and 4, 10, with no need to atone for any non-existent sin of his own. Hebrews 7.27 Since this would mean that any extraterrestrials would be lost for eternity when this present creation is destroyed in the fervent heat, 2 Peter 3.10 and 12, some have wondered whether Christ's sacrifice might be repeated elsewhere for other beings. However, Christ died once for all, Romans 6.10 and 1 Peter 3.18, on the earth. He is not going to be crucified and resurrected again on other planets. Hebrews 9.26 This is confirmed by the fact that the redeemed earthly church is known as Christ's bride. Ephesians 5.22-33 Revelation 19.7-9 In a marriage that will last for eternity. Christ is not going to be a polygamist with many other brides from other planets. The Bible makes no provision for God to redeem any other species, any more than to redeem fallen angels. Hebrews 2.16 One attempt to fit extraterrestrials in the Bible is on the basis of a word in Hebrews 11.3, through faith by understanding that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. The word worlds appears in the King James Version translation and some others, and some claim that it refers to other inhabitable planets. However, the word in the original language is the word from which we derive the word eons. Thus, modern translations render the word as universe, 
entire space-time continuum because it correctly describes everything that exists in time and space, visible and invisible, present and eternal. Even if it was referring to other planets, it is an unwarranted extrapolation to presume intelligent life on them. It should also be remembered that expressions like the heavens and earth, from Genesis 1.1, are a figure of speech known as a mirrorism. This occurs when two opposites or extremes are combined to represent the whole or the sum of its parts. For example, if I said, I painted the whole building from top to bottom, you would understand this is to mean everything in the whole building. Similarly, Biblical Hebrew has no word for the universe and can at best say, the all. So instead it used the mirism, the heavens and the earth. It is clear that the New Testament passages like the aforementioned Romans 8, 18-22 and Hebrews 11:3 are pointing back to the Genesis, heavens and earth, creation, and thus everything that God made and when time as we know it began. Another is the passage in John 10, 16, in which Jesus says, I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. However, even an ET-believing astronomer at the Vatican, thus a hostile witness to the no-ETs cause, a Jesuit priest by the name of Guy Kinsalmagno, concedes, In context, these other sheep are presumably a reference to the Gentiles, not extraterrestrials. Jesus' teaching was causing division among the Jews, in verse 19 because they always believed that salvation from God was for them alone. Jesus was reaffirming that he would be the savior of all mankind. A more recent idea to allow for extraterrestrials arose out of the perceived need to protect Christianity in the event of a real alien visitation to Earth. Michael S. Heiser is an influential Christian ufologist and speaker with a PhD in Hebrew Bible and ancient Semitic languages. He claims that the arguments put forward earlier may not apply to God-created aliens. Because they are not descendants of Adam, they have not inherited his sin nature, and thus are not morally guilty before God. Just like bunny rabbits on the earth, they do not need salvation. Even though they will die, they are going to neither heaven nor hell. On the surface, this seems a compelling argument. After all, Fallen angels are intelligent, but are beyond salvation. Hebrews 2.16 says, For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. Angels are immortal and not of our corporal dimension. And Heiser's ETs in spaceships require a level of intelligence not found in rabbits. This acutely highlights the injustice of their suffering and effects of the curse, including death and ultimately extinction, when the heavens are rolled up like a scroll in Revelation 6.14. It also seems bizarre to imagine no moral responsibility for the actions of highly intelligent beings. Heiser also claims that vastly intelligent extraterrestrials would not displace mankind's position as being made in the image of God because image just means humans have been placed as God's representatives on the earth. However, the Bible says we are made in God's image and likeness. Genesis 1.26 Man was immediately created a fully intelligent being about 6,000 years ago, 
and was involved in craftsmanship shortly after. Genesis 4.22 Since that time, even we have not been able to develop technologies advanced enough to travel to other star systems. If aliens were capable of developing incredible faster-than-light spaceships needed to get here, one would presume they must have been created with vastly superior intellect to ours, which would make them even more in God's likeness in that sense than we are. Or their creation is much older than the 6,000 years of the biblical six-day time frame. The aliens were created before man and had sufficient time to develop their technologies. However, God created earth on day one and later the heavenly bodies on day four. Although Heiser does not promote theistic evolution, he is sympathetic to a universe billions of years old, as proposed by the progressive creationist Dr. Hugh Ross. In theory, this could allow the time necessary for any unseen ETs to develop the almost science fiction-like technologies required to get here. But this is circular reasoning. There is a huge problem for the gospel in these long ages. First, it's important to understand that modern scientific idea of long ages. For example, millions and billions of years, derived from the belief that sedimentary rock layers on Earth represent eons of time. This in turn derived from the dogmatic assumption that there were no special acts of creation or a global flood so that Earth's features must be explained by processes seen to be happening now. This philosophy of uniformitarianism seems to amply fulfill the Apostle Peter's prophecy recorded in 2 Peter 3, 3-7. The conflict with the Gospel is that these very same rock layers contain fossils, a record of dead things showing evidence of violence, disease, and suffering. Thus taking a millions of years view, even without evolution, places death and suffering long before the fall of Adam. This undermines the gospel and the very reasons that Christ came to earth, such as reversing the effects of the curse. Romans 5.12 clearly states that sin and death entered into the creation as a result of Adam's actions. There was no death before the fall. Psalm 8.5 says that man was made a little lower than the angels and crowned with glory and honor. Heiser has said that salvation is based upon ranking, not intelligence. If so, where in the Bible, which omits to mention them, would E.T. sit in this pecking order? Would they be higher than man and lower than angels, for example? If these advanced E.T.s were capable of visiting the earth, mankind would now be subject to their dominion. Even if the ETs were friendly, potentially they would be much more powerful due to their intelligence and technology. This would be in direct contravention of God's ordained authority structure when he ordered mankind to subdue the earth, also known as the Dominion Mandate. Genesis 1.28 Psalm 19.1 tells us a major reason that the universe is so vast, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. There are many similar passages in Scripture. They help us understand who God is and how powerful he is. It reminds us that the more we discover about this incredible universe, the more we should be in awe of the one who made it all. In short, rather than looking up and wondering, I wonder what else is out there, and picturing imaginary aliens we've never seen, 
we should instead be considering the very one that made it all. The Bible's big picture seems to preclude intelligent life elsewhere in God's universe. But what if bacteria were found on other planets, for example? This is exceedingly unlikely, but God made bacteria would not violate the gospel. And in any case, any microbes on Mars were likely as a result of human contamination. What would be their purpose? The entire focus of creation is mankind on Earth. The life forms on Earth's beautifully balanced biosphere are part of our created life support system. If bacteria are found elsewhere in the solar system, it will be held as proof that life can just evolve. However, we have previously predicted in print, and from our website, and in this very podcast, that in such an unlikely event, the organisms will have Earth-type DNA and other traits consistent with having originated from here as contaminants, either carried by recent man-made probes or writing fragments of rock blasted from Earth by meteorite impacts. Millions of people have seen UFOs, and many even recall personal encounters with strange entities. The popular view is that these are advanced aliens visiting us from far away, but Alien Intrusion, the book and the documentary, take a deeper look at the events, the beliefs, the experts, and the people who have shaped our views in the otherworldly. When one examines this phenomenon, one of the most disturbing but powerful affirmations of the spiritual realm, Christianity in the Bible becomes clearer. Alien Intrusion seeks to solve one of the most haunting and persistent mysteries of our time by addressing UFO sightings in every country, things seen on radar, what happened at Roswell, alien abductions, government cover-ups, and even a new religion. The truth will surprise you. Get Alien Intrusion in DVD, Blu-ray, or soft cover at creation.com forward slash store. I am Joseph Darnell. From all of us at creation.com, thanks for listening. <laughs>